Hey everybody, if you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. Hey there, everybody. How's it going? Uh, today's episode of Other People is brought to you by Tweaked Audio earbuds and headphones. Right now, listeners of this program can get 33% off of any purchase. Just go to tweakedaudio.com and enter the offer code Other People, O-T-H-E-R-P-P-L, tweakedaudio.com, 33% off. Enter the offer code Other People, O-T-H-E-R-P-P-L. I said that twice. Get yourself some earbuds. Get yourself some headphones. Listen to this program through those devices. Listen to music through those devices. Listen to Kitty's music through those devices. You can get her music online. You cannot get it at tweakedaudio.com, but you can get it at places like iTunes and Bandcamp and SoundCloud. Tweakedaudio.com. What do you think? Use the offer code other people and get 33% off. O-T-H-E-R-P-P-L. There, I said it a third time. Tweakedaudio.com. These are headphones. These are earbuds. You can listen to things through them. Go and get some. Oh my God. You are not alone. You have found other people. You and I have a friend in common. Every stupid thing that a writer could do, I've done. I think it's really beautiful. Jesus, dude, what a struggle, you know? It was incredible, you know, it's like your head exploded seeing what was really there. And now here's your host, Brad Listing. Just one person at just one time. Right. Uh, right. right, everybody. Here we go again. This is it. This is other people. This is me on the microphone. This does not have a MySpace account. Hello, I'm Brad Listy. I'm in uh, Los Angeles, California. It's nice to be with you. Thank you for tuning in. Very excited about today's program. Uh, it's a little bit of a uh, pivot. It's a bit of a shift in gears, a bit of a change up. I'm interviewing a musician for, I believe, the first time ever. Uh, her name is Catherine Lee Beckwith, a.k.a. Kitty, formerly uh, Kitty Pride. She's a rapper. She's from Florida. Uh, but as you're about to hear, she might be moving away from uh, rap a little bit and branching off into other musical genres, broadening her horizons, if you will. So maybe you've heard her music. Let me hear. Let me play a little bit of it for you. Get out of my room. Once upon a time, I spied on you, blood light line in my hand, and I stand. This song is called OK Cupid. It's the song that launched her career a couple years ago, two, three years ago. It was a, a viral sensation online. She made this song in her bedroom. And uh, it actually wound up being ranked number 17. This song was ranked number 17 on uh, Rolling Stone's Top 50 Songs of 2012. 
So very excited to talk. Uh, well, actually, I've already talked to her, but I'm excited to share the conversation. Be interested to hear what you guys think. Should I talk to musicians? And there's undeniably something poetic happening. Does it really matter who I talk to? I mean, I, I mean, I know it matters who I talk to as people, but you know, everybody's interesting in a way. It doesn't always have to be writers. So uh, I got some mail. I got a letter from a guy named Michael. And uh, he writes, uh, Hey Brad, just wanted to say that your show means a lot to me. I discovered other people right before I decided to get in my car and leave Boston, Massachusetts with no idea where I was headed. I listened to quite a few episodes while driving westward for about three weeks. In fact, I listened to it in 21 U.S. states. Most memorably, I was listening to your show when I saw the desert for the first time. I ended up staying in San Francisco for a year where I started writing every day. San Francisco took all of my money, so I drove down to New Orleans. I'm still writing. Your show helped me realize that books are written by people. I hope you're doing well. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Though I fear I've ruined your life. <laughs> Contributed to your downfall. Uh, I say that in partial jest. Keep going. Chase it. Say what you need to say. As John Mayer once said. <laughs> oh, God. So uh, I got another letter from uh, a listener named Elizabeth, and she writes, uh, Hey, Brad, I was glad you talked about the salon piece on your mon- or in your monologue in episode 343. Uh, that, that's the, I'm going to interject. That's the Ann Bauer essay. Listen to the uh, monologue for 343. But uh, many of you probably read that essay or heard the monologue or both. So Elizabeth continues, I do want to add that separate from the money issue, there's a different way that a lot of writers, a lot of people are privileged. They were brought up in stable, happy families or stable enough, happy enough. It's a privilege to grow up in a family uh, where you aren't terrified and confused and feeling bad about yourself all the time. Maybe that's ultimately a money issue too. I don't know. I think people who have this privilege don't even realize it. Maybe that's because there are degrees of stability, degrees of happiness. No one really knows what other people's lives are like. We don't even know how to be honest with ourselves about this stuff, never mind other people. It took me a long time to realize how bad my childhood was. My parents got divorced when I was two and fought a bitter custody battle for a decade, a decade, over my brother and me. We were always getting dragged to court therapists and diagnosed. One of them said I was a budding sociopath, that it would be, quote, dangerous to society if I didn't get help. I was five. Meanwhile, my parents were both broke, probably because they poured God knows how much money into legal fees. My mom married a guy who physically, emotionally, and sexually abused me for years. And uh, she's still married to him, by the way, almost 35 years now. Last winter, he mailed me a clipping from a porn magazine along with a note about how he still thinks of me as, quote, his little girl. I have two daughters, and I'm scared to visit my mom because I don't want my girls anywhere near my stepdad. My father married a woman with a daughter a couple of years older than me, and when I was a teenager, I found out that my dad had been molesting my stepsister for years, too. I had no idea. So both of the dads I have known have been secret pedophiles. When I think of being a kid, I remember sitting alone in the living room while it got dark, being scared to get off the couch and turn off the light, listening to my stepdad yell and my mom cry behind their locked bedroom door, wondering... If she would ever come out and make dinner, I remember visiting family friends 
who had a nice house and a boat and my mom whispering to me, this is how the other half lives. And some people just have a lot of money, like money was a dirty word. I got the message that I would never have those things, that I shouldn't even want them, when really those people weren't even that rich. He was a doctor. She was a nurse. They were just comfortable. We went to dinner with them, and afterward, my mom scolded me for ordering the most expensive thing on the menu. I was 11. I didn't know who was paying or what things cost, but I remember how ashamed I felt. My mom did a good job indoctrinating me that because my dad left us, we were broken, wrong, bad, spoiled forever. All these, thing, all these years later, she still blames him for ruining her life. She, was marri- she married a pastor because she thought being a pastor's wife would look good. She knew he was molesting me and told me it was my fault because when I visited my father in his, quote, sexed-up house, I learned to be flirty and wiggle my hips. I don't blame her, by the way. Not really. She had her own shitty childhood, her own struggles. She was doing her best. Anyway... All of this is to say life was hell and there was never any money and I hated myself and I was scared all the time. By the time I went to college, I think all I really wanted to do was find someone to love me so I could make my own family and do it right. Like a do-over of my childhood, only I'd be the mom instead of the kid. Of course, I wasn't aware of that at the time. My dead grandparents left me some money to finance a no-frills degree, two years at Red Rocks Community College where my dad taught English, reduced tuition for me and two years at the, at the University of Colorado Denver campus. I majored in theater like all the other fucked up kids did and got pregnant a couple of years after graduation because I didn't know what else to do. I was too scared to move to New York and to New York City and try to act like I really wanted to. Everyone told me I'd never make it. That's another type of privilege, isn't it? Having someone to believe in you, someone to encourage you. I never had that. My family always discouraged me from doing things because, quote, we just don't want you to be disappointed. Their overriding message was, life is hard. Don't expect too much. This is really rambling and disjointed and extremely long. I know. I guess I feel like I can ramble to you because I've spent so many hours listening to you talk. I really appreciate your show. The gist of this, my point, I guess, is that when I read that Ann Bauer piece, I felt so relieved. Here I am now, a single mother, two kids, $40,000 in credit card debt, a one-bedroom apartment that costs $21.50 a month, an ex-husband who borrows money from his mom to throw me a few hundred bucks once in a while, and a constant nagging, nagging feeling of guilt because I don't get up at 4 a.m. every day to write the book I want to write. I just can't. It takes everything I've got to keep the kids fed, dressed, and sheltered, and write a fucking XO Jane article once in a while. That salon piece made me think that, hey, maybe I shouldn't beat myself up so much. She couldn't write either when she was in my shoes. I don't really want to get married to a rich dude just so I can write a book, though. I guess I'll have to find another way. When I do, I hope I can be on your show. Thanks for doing what you do. Signed, Elizabeth. So, holy cow. Thanks to uh, Michael. Thanks to Elizabeth uh, for writing. I mean, how do you respond to that second one? It's a heavy letter, and it makes a lot of good points about privilege. You know, privilege comes in many forms. a lot of different ways to parse that. I don't even know what I what else I can add. What I will say to Elizabeth is don't be too hard on yourself. My god. It's amazing that you uh that you're able to keep it together considering all that you've been through. But don't stop uh, I would say don't stop believing that uh that it can happen either. I mean, keep your eye on that to a degree. Keep it in mind. One day uh maybe things will change. You'll have the opportunity and the time to write and when you do, like, uh, just like Anne uh, has done, you can you can write your book. 
It's tough to write. It's tough. I mean, it's an absolute privilege to to have the time and space to make any art. And how many times have I bitched about making art? (laughs) How many times have we all complained? It's unbelievable. Full freedom of expression, the ability to say whatever you want to say, the ability to get it out there, share it with people, publicize it, no fear of reprisal from your government. Just the ability to do that. A lot of people in this world don't have. It's a great freedom and a great privilege, and it's to be appreciated. So if anybody really rich is listening, somebody with just a stupid amount of money and you want to do something nice, uh, maybe you could drop some cash on Elizabeth, help her cancel her credit card debt. She's got 40 grand in credit card debt. Do you have 40 grand sitting in some sort of uh, trust fund that you really don't need? Give it to her. I like telling people what to do with their money. (laughs) It's been a trend lately. Rich people, help this woman out, for God's sake. Let's see some justice in the world. If you want to email me, the address is letters at otherpeople.com, letters at O-T-H-E-R-P-P-L.com. Please uh, send word. I like hearing from you. Tell me what you think. Tell me a story. Whatever. Hey, everybody. If you are a writer or an aspiring writer, or if you just love literature, I have a book for you. It's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories. It is the long-awaited craft book by Steve Almond, based on three decades of his writing career, a career that has featured at turns depression, failure, anxiety, self-loathing, despair, self-doubt, loss of faith, delusions of grandeur, and the occasional triumph. It's a book about the writing life. Steve Almond has done it. He has embraced it, the full catastrophe, and he has lived to tell about it. The Boston Globe says, quote, this isn't just a book about writing. It's a book about honesty. And Richard Russo calls it, quote, one of the best books on writing I've ever read. It's also the funniest by a country mile. Once again, it's called Truth is the Arrow, Mercy is the Bow, a DIY manual for the construction of stories by Steve Almond, available from Zando. Go get your copy right now, wherever you buy books. So let's get on with the program. Let's get to Kitty. Uh, Her latest EP is called Frostbite, and uh, it was just a pleasure to have her here. She's a great guest. Enjoyed the conversation. Hope you guys like it. Uh, This is it right here. You want to hear it? Okay, let's go. Um, I I do a lot of stuff. That's like, and I'm not even really a rapper very much anymore. You're not. I, not really. What my my music's not really rap anymore. It started out that way, and now it's just kind of funny that that's still my. And you can sing. I mean, you can sing yeah. and rap. Uh huh. Did you come from a musical family? Yeah, I mean, nobody had like, no one worked in music or anything. But my dad has always been like. Like he plays guitar. He's really into the blues, and okay. he was o- and like rock and roll. And so and he's always like teaching me things from when I was little. And my brother is like a musical prodigy somehow, and like plays every instrument. And like he's been on stage with you. Yeah, he usually he's he's like my DJ, my okay. official DJ. He okay. lives far away, so I don't always get to bring him. Where does he live? He lives in Florida. Okay, so he's back family. home. Yeah. Okay. How old? He's like what? How old is he? Today is his 18th birthday. Oh, happy birthday! Yeah. And uh, we should say we're recording on Groundhog's Day, so happy. Oh yeah. Happy Groundhog's, Groundhog's Day. Day. <laughs> um. So, but you do have it in your blood. 
Mm-hmm. So it's not, yeah, it's not coming. It's not like a total anomaly. No, I, it doesn't really. I mean, it's like not surprising. I always went like when I was younger, I took opera lessons and stuff. Like I was always okay. really, like, I always wanted to be good at music, but I always, I kind of gave up when I was, when my brother started being really good at every <laughs> instrument. I was like, I have no skills here. Like my brother would be like, right. He's like one of those people that can hear a song and then just sit down at the piano and play it oh, like, no matter what it is. And it was so frustrating that I was just like, yeah, I don't, why am I taking piano lessons? Like this is a waste of time. Are you competitive with him? No, not really. Not He's really. like my best friend. Yeah. And, but it was just kind of like, I can't do that. So I don't really feel like trying does, to does he have Does he have your charisma? Uh, yeah. He does. He's, he's, he and I are like the same person pretty okay. much. Born entertainers. Kind of. <laughs> yes, I mean, I guess. right? Yeah. You have that. I mean, you've had, if you have that, uh, I mean, cause there's something like of a, something of a split. I mean, you have this instinct and you have this talent and yet you're kind of doing it on a lark at the beginning out of your bedroom. Mm-hmm. It's not like you're out like pounding the pavement in Los Angeles trying to get a record deal. Yeah. Well, Which, now I am. But now, you are, <laughs> but now you are. But I mean, you know, it started, it, it started sort of organically and humbly and you're not somebody, I mean, did you start with like these really like big ambitions or was it more of kind <laughs> of like an inside joke and then it just blew up? Yeah, it was, it was, I was just, um, making fun of my boyfriend. I had a blog and I was like, getting a lot of followers on my blog just for like jokes because i would like make jokes and then they on tumblr it just gets reblogged and that's like the whole network and so i had like a good amount of followers on tumblr and then i just started recording songs like rap songs that were just making fun of my ex-boyfriend because i didn't like him and uh that sounds like a winning formula yeah and and then like one of them in particular got like like a bunch of people were like this is actually good and i was like that's funny so i was just i was just messing around and then it one of them blew up, and I was like, "Okay, what's okay, Cupid? Okay, Cupid, yeah." Okay, and I mean, no pun intended, but uh, <laughs> you got a you, someone sent you a beat. This is like this is how little I know about this. Yeah, <laughs> but when you build one of these songs at home on your computer in your bedroom, uh, like the music part of it, obviously, I know you're writing the lyrics and you have a microphone or whatever, and you're rapping into a microphone, correct? Mm-hmm. You're not just rapping into your computer. Well, at first I was. You were. I didn't have a microphone now. Okay, but you got one eventually. Yeah, eventually. And then what about the beats? Like, who sends you those, or how did you create those? Um, well, the, at first, like the very first songs I did, I would use. I would just find because I was. I've always really like been into like rap and hip hop. Like, so I would just find instrumentals for songs that I liked, and then rap over them, and um, and then. I got kind of involved in like an online like network of just like people who are also making music online because people were taking me way more seriously than I was taking myself. Right. And so it was funny. And then one of the guys who was producing, he had been producing stuff for ASAP Rocky, who is now really famous, but at the time he was not very famous at all. And he just made cool beats and he was like, I want to send you a beat, make a song to it. I was like, all right, whatever, dude. And then he sent me one and like, that's how OkCupid got and since then, I've like I'm learning how to do it myself. Like produce, it's like a whole different like game. You're using GarageBand? Not anymore. Not and anymore. now, I'm, and at first, I was always using, and I still like it because it's easy. And there's yeah, that's what I use. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's so easy. It's like it tells you exactly what to do. But now that I'm like, I'm more concerned about how things sound. I'm like using better programs just because. Yeah. What do the real rappers use? I don't know. I mean, I don't like, know so like at all. Pro Tools and I stuff guess like they that? use Pro Tools and yeah. Logic and Ableton and stuff. And I don't know. Yeah, that's like a huge mystery to me. Too many things to learn. Okay. Well, that's why you need a good producer. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody who sits in there and knows all this, especially with rap and especially with electronic music. Like people who know how to do that stuff, like that's like a, a really uh, complex skill set. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess feel it always there's, has been. There's like, a, there's like ends of it because I, I don't know because I don't do it, but I've definitely been in like 
studios with producers and some of them are just like i know what to click and i know what sounds cool and then some people are just like i know what every single button here does so it's like a huge difference because that's how like i don't know like people that make like really intricate like Aphex twin and stuff like with like yeah. really intricate like electronic music have obviously more like they know what everything is done. But then there'll be like a rap beat that just like goes really hard on the radio. And you're like, this guy probably has no idea what <laughs> anything to do with like sound technology. But like he just knew how to make a song sound cool by like putting something somewhere. Right. So. So let's talk about this ex-boyfriend because I, <laughs> the reason I want to talk about it is because he is. I mean, he kind of started your career. Yeah. In a way. A little bit. What yeah. did he do to you? Um, I don't even remember. I was like 17. Okay. And I met him on MySpace a few years earlier. And on MySpace? On MySpace. Yeah. So I lived in Florida and he lived in California here in Huntington Beach. Okay. And Surfer? We, no. He was no. like a huge nerd. Okay. I was just also a huge nerd. So we connected. Right. And um, I like... We just fell in love, and so I would fly to California and hang out with him for, like, summers, and, like, he would come to Florida for, like, this happened for, like, two and a half years, and then I found out he was, like, cheating on me the whole time, because over the course of our relationship, he, like, hit puberty and got really cool, uh -huh. so girls liked him, and he was like, damn, I have this, like, nerdy girlfriend in Florida, <laughs> like, so he started, like, cheating on me, and I was like, wow, okay, well, never mind, and then I just would make fun of him for everything. No, and, like, then he became the, the source material for yeah. the inspiration. Yeah, I think it really traumatized him. Yeah. Yeah, he has, like, so many problems. Now. Does he really? Yeah. Like drug, with drugs? What? No, like just like emotional. Pro he's like in therapy and like is always like apologizing to me. Like <laughs> every so often he'll like send me like a really long text message. Just like apologize. And I'm just like, dude, I don't even. What, what is your name? I don't know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> God, that's be, that would be intense, though, if you're like, you know, you're girl you date and treat badly when you're like 16, 17 and a complete idiot like writes an album about you that goes viral <laughs> and he's like so involved in the internet too like i oh. know it was probably so hard to avoid for him <laughs> well that's and this is the thing too because it's a very specific type of fame and it's not exclusive to you i mean it's like internet based uh i was reading uh, an interview that you did where you were talking about or i think i was watching a video online of you uh, and you were talking about how coming to brooklyn where everybody's sort of trying to be internet hip and there's like a lot of currency in that mm -hmm. in that particular place we're treating you differently. It was yeah. like, kind of like the only place where that was happening. Mm -hmm. So, but that, that seems normal nowadays where like people get famous in a particular niche or in a particular channel or online or whatever. And it only really manifests or takes hold in specific like, yeah. hives of people. Is that still the case? Or is it, is I it, think so. I mean, like sometimes there'll be somebody that like, like I'll go to a party and everybody's like fanning out over someone or like a concert or something. Yeah. And I'm like, who, I don't know. But then I'll f find out, that they're like the hugest thing in some like other right. commute. Like, I don't know. I and it's really weird that that's so, it, you know, I'll tell you, and I don't know if it, maybe, maybe this is just me, but I think as, as I've gotten older, it's gotten harder for me to keep track of culture. <laughs> I think you just have more demands on your time, you know? Yeah, and then, I think there's just too much because the internet. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, I don't need like people will be like, Oh my God, they're so-and-so. And I'll be like, who is that? And then I'll get this like wave of panic coming over me because I've never heard of them. And it's, you know, I think there's just so many people coming at everybody at all times. You know, yeah. so much to keep track of. And like so many new, like Vine, th I didn't even know this, but there are people with like millions and millions of fans on I, Vine. I was talking about this yesterday. It's so weird. Yeah. I, I didn't even know. I have a little sister. So my little sister, I like, she wears t-shirts with these guys' names on her. I'm like, who the hell is that? Yeah. And she'll like show me their Vine and they have like 
10 million fo- it's so weird no. i don't even understand you, you would be great at vine though i feel like i don't i'm not good at being funny in six seconds though that's like not enough time you gotta compare <laughs> like, i need like three minutes for a song yeah i yeah. like tried really hard to be good at vine and i'm just failing every day i fail more it's like more. haiku but no but here's the thing because i've been thinking a lot about this i mean it's truly amazing like um i was talking with spencer uh our, our mutual friend and uh you know the season premiere of girls for this season, I want to say got like 600,000 viewers. Mm-hmm. And there's a dude on Vine, this French guy. Did you read this New York Times article? No. Well, anyway, he's got like 8 million Vine followers. And I'm starting to think to myself, like, what's more valuable? Like, maybe not, maybe right now it's more valuable to have like a show on HBO. But like two, three years from now, it wouldn't shock me if it's more valuable to have like 10 million people watching your six second yeah. videos. Like, is that- I mean, and honestly, I feel like like now people are already, because since I've started noticing these, because I usually like, flip through my Vine feed and be like, oh, I don't know who that is. Like, don't care. But, like, so many of them are just branded. They're, like, at, they'll, they'll find, like, brands will find, like, these famous people. And, obviously, they're just paying them to, like, Vine about it. And it's, like, what's the point of TV anymore? Yeah. And, like, well, and eh. also, like, that's sort of whorish. And, you know. I, mean, uh, I know. It's really annoying because it, you can tell. It's, like, really obvious. It's, well, like, you with the hashtags and shit. like you know. Right. And I understand having to make a living. And, I, it's, I mean, I, you know. If I had 8 million Vine followers and some <laughs> company was like, we're going to pay you a million dollars to talk about these Cheetos, I'd probably be like... Oh, yeah. I'd be, I would jump all over that. <laughs> right? I'd be so down. No, but no, you say that, but you turn down some stuff. Yeah. Like, you've been very defensive or um, you've done an unusually good job of defending your turf and your vision and your brand. I hate using that word. <laughs> I know. But, but, you know, but people have, have made you offers that you have turned down, like record labels, correct? Yeah. At first, especially when I was like, at, at this point now, I'm like, because of the music that I'm making, I'm like a little bit, I've like definitely changed my attitude since I, over the past few years. Because at first I was so real hip hop that I was just like, I'm not, because obviously now, even in the past couple of years, it's gotten like more and more common for someone to just blow up with one song and be like over. Right. But at the time, like. There was no people thought like oh I because I had this video with like millions and millions of hits and like people were like so into it and talking about it all the time people were like oh she's like a celebrity now she's gonna be a star right and uh, they were wrong but <laughs> <laughs> I was just like people were making me offers for record deals and stuff and I was just like nah I'm real hip hop like how much you turned down a lot of money uh, I turned on a hundred thousand dollar deal once that was the biggest one wow most of them were. Um, there was one that was like 500,000, but I also am friends with Krayshawn who kind of got screwed over that way. Yeah. And I, what, how, like they just, they own his catalog or whatever. She she, like, yeah, she, she had (laughs) the same, she had like a viral song and then she got offered this huge deal and she took it because it was like, oh, cool record deal. Right. Um, she was like the same thing. She wasn't trying to be like famous or anything. She just made a song and, um, and then she just got like sucked into this, like, record label nightmare yeah and it just seemed terrible i was just like i don't want to do that i would i'm in college i don't need <laughs> i don't want to do this yeah but um yeah I've, and i've turned on like a lot of random things just because i'm like i don't i don't like your vibe like i guess sometimes now i think about it and like my manager will be like you're dumb like my old manager would always be like you're being an idiot right now like why are you not taking this ten thousand dollars for no reason and i'm just like this is i'm I'm an OG. I'm <laughs> like, <laughs> I don't know. I guess. And you've changed? Like, are you coming around to like trying to be a little bit more open to opportunities? Or are you still holding strong to like your, uh. Well, I definitely am really about like protecting my values, like personal values. 
it's not so much like I think that it's not real hip hop to take money from a record label anymore. Because I'm just kind of like that's just, this is the world, like this is life, like yeah. that's not how There's life. Plenty works. Of, plenty I was being very naive and silly, but um, no, but you can get taken for a ride too. It's like a, it's a balance, you know. Yeah, you gotta I find mean, the middle ground. And I also, um, I don't want to be involved with anyone who's going to like pressure me because I I don't really I don't talk about like sex and like I don't talk about like doing drugs really and like i don't know i I, like i want everything to stay really personal and i want to always be like what sex is personal no i know but i also like a lot of my fans are really young i want to be a good influence like i've I've always wanted to be like a role model and i always thought that if i uphold a certain like level of i don't know my own kind of morality and everything not that it, it like I like shake my head at like girls who talk about sex or anything. It's just like, that's not something I do. And so a lot of things, especially like offers for like photos, like modeling and stuff like have been really like trying to sexualize me a lot. Mm -hmm. And it's a lot that happens in the music industry. That's like really creepy. And I don't like that. And I don't ever want to be pressured to like, or, or just to make music that I don't like, which is, always what they want you to it's it's like even now sometimes it still happens and i'll find myself like being like well don't like this is what people will give me money for so i should make this song and then i'm like no because then it's i'm not gonna like it like i've made enough music that i hate like i'm not (laughs) i only i only want to make music that i think is good myself yeah and so it's really it's tough difficult to find somebody that wants to put money into that well no but it's tough because if you get successful as an artist um, really any kind of artist, eventually there's going to have to be a collaborative aspect to it. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden there's going to be more than one cook in the kitchen. It's not just you in your bedroom yeah, anymore. I hate and then, it. Well, I know. <laughs> but like the thing about it, I mean, I've, I've gone through this a little bit too, uh, in writing where you're like, okay, you know, I'm, I'm working with somebody and this person is talented too. This person has a brain too. They have a good brain and I don't want to be bullheaded and not take good advice when it's given to me, like mm-hmm. advice that could actually help make my art better. Yeah. But I also don't want to just like take advice because it's given to me from somebody who seems like they're in a position of authority or who could yeah, exactly. hold the card. So it's like, how do you navigate that? I guess you got to find like a, in music, I guess you got to find a producer that you really trust. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I am always work. I work with a lot of different people because I don't, I'm, I just like to hear different. I like so many kinds of music that sometimes I'll just be like, I want to make music like this. And so it's, I've gotten, I've, I've like kind of, relate like friendships that I've had like with the guy that worked on my last album like he doesn't want to work with me anymore because Who? like uh his name is Matt R okay and I found his music on the internet when I was looking for my little pony trance remixes and I found him on YouTube <laughs> wait my, there, there is such a thing oh yeah okay the my should, little pony I should tell my daughter oh she'll love it yeah you can find some really good music with my little pony <laughs> songs in there we, yeah we can have a dance party <laughs> yeah she'll like I love ponies um so I found him and then I just, I found him on Twitter. I like, liked his music so much that I just like found him on Twitter and was like, Hey, my name's Kitty. I'm like working on a record. I, I like this song. Can I use it as part of my song? He was like, whatever. Like I, he didn't really understand. And then I like kept asking him like more, like, do you want to work on let's And we were working just like over Skype. Like he was in Arizona and I was in New York. So wait, how does that work? He's on Skype. Like you guys are playing music for each other over Skype. Well, he, he would just like. He would make like 
a clip of music and just be like, do you think this sounds cool? And I'd be like, yeah, I think you should, like, maybe you could add this. And then he was like, you can change whatever you want. So I would add some stuff, like drums or whatever, and, like, changing the format and structure. And um, and then I would record it and send it to him and be like, hey, you like this? And he'd be like, yep, this is good. Like, this is cool. Sure. But then it just got so weird because it was like, I don't think that he really liked it. And I think he was like, I think he would rather have my little pony songs in his song. You know what I mean? Like, it, it wasn't his thing. Oh, I, I'm sure. Okay. He has to be. He's made so much pony music. I can't imagine him not being. Yeah. But it, it's just like really hard to find somebody that. Well, wait, he was your producer. I mean, I have. In theory. In, or one, yeah. One of I them. mean, basically, yeah. Yeah. He just, he was my producer. Pretty much made my entire record. Which one? Frostbite. Okay. Yeah. And now he's just like. I don't really want to do any more. Like, I, w- I would, like, ask him for songs after that record was finished. And he would just be like, and I think I'm going to work on my own stuff now. Like, it was just like. What I, went down? Just I don't think he liked it. I just think he didn't like he having, like, some girls. Fo- gonna, he I think wants he just, to focus on the ponies. Yeah, man. I, don't, I have no <laughs> idea. I don't want to, like, I don't want to be like, wow, dude, like, what do you mean you don't want to work with me anymore? You know, it's just, but that happens all the time. Yeah, you know, it's weird. And and I was, uh, I was reading up and, like, there was this thing with Grimes where she wanted to do a song with you and then she didn't want to do a song with you. Whatever happened yeah, with that? I don't know. She, at, she, she, like, hit me up and, like, said that. She really liked one of my videos yeah. called Dead Island. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God, Grimes likes me. I was like, I was like fanning out. And then she talked about wanting to work together. And it took a long time. She like would send me stuff. And then she sent me a song. And she was like, I don't think I like it. I'm going to work on something else. And I, I was just like, well, this is cool. This is a Grimes song. So I like finished the song. And I guess I like mentioned it in an interview or something that me and Grimes, because I was excited about it or whatever. And then like she unfollowed me on every like like later this was like a year later because right. we had never did anything with the song because i didn't finish it yet and then like she posted something on her blog and was like i don't know where you guys are getting this but i will not be doing a song with kitty like some i don't know it was like something and, and i was like oh ouch like i did I, I asked so i i tried to like send her a message on twitter and she like unfollowed me so i couldn't message her <laughs> i like couldn't message her i couldn't figure out what to do because she like didn't answer my emails and so i asked my manager and my manager was like yeah i'll ask i'll talk to them about it and then i guess when he talked to them about it they were like no we're not doing something and i was like what the fuck i don't know i was i was like i was just like sad because grimes is, i like look up to grimes a lot right i think she's so great so i was like i don't i don't know what i did yeah I don't know why I should Maybe she felt him. like you shouldn't. I mean, I don't know. It's like internet, like both things, both things. With the brony and with uh, Grimes, it seems like very uh, contemporary, very like 21st century miscommunications, like internet based. Yeah. And that's why I don't really do that. I don't, I don't want to work with anyone over the internet anymore. It's like way too hard and, yeah, and there's too like much you, stuff gets. You never know how sincere someone is or like yeah. whether they meant it or not. And there's all this misperception and miscommunication. It just seems yeah. like it. It's easier for that sort of shit to happen when you're online as opposed to like sitting across from someone. Yeah, that's why it's easier to live in LA because everybody else is here. Uh, and you're here, <laughs> and you're here now for the yeah. duration. You like it here? Yeah, I like it. You do. It's much more friendly than okay. New York. Okay, you were in New York. What happened in New York? People were mean to me. Or like, were they mean? No, to it just I. There's not a lot. I mean, like the whole music industry is here pretty much yeah so it's like everybody that i wanted to work with was always here i came here for like two weeks just to do a whole bunch of recording sessions and then i was like why am i going back to new york and i'm just gonna sit in my room and like make these songs like over the internet like i was like this is inconvenient like why do i live here right. there's no reason to anymore right 
and it's also expensive and cold and it was just like everything kind of seemed like a sign that I should be here instead and it's working out well. Right. How long you been here? 2 months. You met have you met a lot of people? I mean are like like what's happening with you in the music industry? Like when you're here, people know that you're living here. Have you gotten to meet people that you've always wanted to meet? Um some of them. I don't know. I haven't I've been like kind of in a point where I'm frustrated cuz yeah. I'm trying to work on stuff and I'm like not I don't know. I have to meet more people. I have to figure something out. I don't know. Yeah, yeah, no. I'm like a life coach. No, no. <laughs> you and me both. You and me both. Uh, so here's the deal. Because uh, st- this is an interesting – everybody comes to this at some point, uh, especially like when they're younger and, and starting out. Like you had like – there's no self-consciousness. You know, you were just at home making these songs for the fun of it and having a laugh. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. And then it becomes a thing and then you kind of become a thing and then people are listening and watching and – interviewing you and writing about you um and then it does it change the calculus for you or like are you trying to stay pure like in terms of your creative process without having you know all this noise come at you like how do you balance that oh it's well the the most the weirdest part of it was that i am like just as a person myself i don't really hide anything ever yeah. okay and i have no not a very good filter which right. i gotta work on eventually but everybody interviewing me and looking at me and like paying attention to my life um got really weird because now everyone knows everything about my life <laughs> so um i kind of like I guess it makes it a little easier because people already know how i work and like people who know anything about me like will already know kind of how my songs are and like my process, I guess. Cause I don't know. I got, I got a new manager, which is like a good explanation of this. I got like a new manager who was like, okay, we're going to do writing. Like I would go and he would like have me in like a room, like writing a song with someone else. And basically just like someone else would be like helping me write a song. And I was like, I don't want, don't help me write this. I want to write this song myself or like giving me ideas. And I'm like, I don't need your ideas. <laughs> I have plenty of ideas. Right. And, um, yeah. So how does it look? How do you write a song? Is there a way like, do, is it like always like three o'clock in the morning? You're by yourself. You're watching TV. Like, what does it look like? Um, it's easiest when I'm like driving. That's the, that's my like number one way to write a song is like drive for a really long time and listen to music with no lyrics. And then I think of them and that's when I've like, written my best songs and like 20 minutes they'll be like finished i've heard this over and over again from songwriters and musicians is that the best songs come fast I yeah i heard it from poets too like the good yeah. ones you know and something about when it comes fast it's like it's right yeah you spend too much time like picking it apart i just throw those away yeah if i spend if i like realize that i'm spending way too long writing so i'm just like what no this is not good yeah. so obviously it's not that good or i would be done by so now. are you recording it into your phone then while you're driving I usually, t- I don't have a car now, so <laughs> I don't drive much, Yeah. but I used to type them into my phone. Don't mm. tell my dad. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> you can get a bike, you know, you can bike around Los Angeles. You can't type on a bike. I don't, you could use voice command. I have a friend. True. You're the second person in recent, uh, you know, in the last couple of weeks who's told me that they do their best writing in the car. Yeah. It's so chill. And on the train well, in New York, the train was the best. Well, okay. And it's like, cause there's something about. The pressure of having, like you said, when your manager puts you in a room with somebody and it's like, right. 
Yeah, I and can't it's like, do that. Fuck, I, you know, now it's like the guns at my head. You know, not to use too harsh of like a <laughs> analogy, but um, it feels like that a little bit. That pressure's there, and it's almost like when you're doing other things and you're kind of squeezing the writing uh, time around that, it, it somehow works better when it's not the primary thing. Yeah, maybe when you're know. like on your way somewhere. I don't know. It's and it's so weird now that I've been working with like people who just write pop hits, like mm. ev- like. Rihanna and Katy Perry. You're and working stuff. with Rihanna? No, I'm not working oh. with Rihanna. But the people that write their songs. Okay, yeah. And like their expectation from a session is like, okay, we're gonna make a song in these five hours. Like the song will be done, so write it. And it's I didn't really realize going into it that that's what people do. Like people can totally do that, and it, it sometimes it turns out like amazing, and then you have like a fucking pop hit. Right. But like. My songs are so different than that that I just like. At first, I would go there and be like, "Are you kidding me? Like, can you like play me some songs? It's gonna take me like a week to think about it, and then I'll think about it more, and then I'll write something maybe, and, like, well, and then you, I'll send you a demo maybe." Yeah, but you know, you're you're. We should also say though that like a lot of your songs, the uh, are really lyrically dense. Like, there's a lot happening. Um, yeah. In the delivery and like, there, there's a lot of like really strong poetics. It's not like just. You know, and uh, forgive me for talking about music because I, I'll get the lingo wrong. But it's not just like, you know, uh, a couple of verses and then a hook. Like, there's a lot going on. There's a lot of yeah. words. And I don't that. And I don't want to. I think sometimes I've been told by like people on my team, like, there's way too many words here. Like, no one's gonna like this song because there's too many words. And I'm just like, I don't care. I love I don't, that. <laughs> I like. I, I feel like some people appreciate it. You know, it's like not. It's not gonna be on the radio. Well, the, but right, like, the writer in me appreciates it because it's, it demonstrates a higher level of uh, skill. I think. Well, that makes me happy because yeah. I don't hear that very much anymore. They want. But, what do they want? What do these people want? I don't know. It's just something that like sticks in your head more. And okay. I'm like, maybe my songs don't necessarily stick in your head, but They're like four syllables. We want four syllables. Yeah, kind of. <laughs> and I don't really talk about the club and stuff, so uh, it's just like totally different. Fuck it. You gotta, yeah. you gotta do you. Yeah. Do you go I like to clubs? I, oh, I go to club all the time. You I dance? just can't manage to write a song about it. I don't know why. Yeah. It should be so easy for me. But like, what do you like? You say you don't rap about sex or sing about sex or drugs. Like, do you like? Uh, you I know, just rap about being emotional. Being emotional. <laughs> all my stuff is like about being like sad or like feeling embarrassed all the time. Or you do whatever. drugs? Like, are you like? No, a, I don't no. do drugs. You don't do any of that stuff. No, I don't. I don't smoke weed, which makes it really hard to make friends. In why? And it just makes me feel crazy. Me too. Yeah. I get paranoid. I, I totally tried. I was like, this is something I should like. But then I would just be like, I can see your aura and yeah, like well, weird shit. Well, and no, I, the thing about it. it is that I don't like that it impairs my social function. Like, I'm, I, I wish I was one of those people who would just get mellow and just like could have a laugh at the party and talk. But I can't talk. <laughs> yes. Yeah, exactly. I fold in on I, myself. Just, like, think, I think way too much. Right. I, was, I was like, I can't do that. So we I just get, don't do it. We should I'm, get high together. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it would be so scary. Yeah, <laughs> it would be just terrifying. Just get creeped out in this garage under this fluorescent light. <laughs> Um, okay. So Florida, I want to get into like where you're from. Uh, let's get deep into childhood. You said your, your dad <laughs> plays the guitar. It sounds like from what I've gleaned on the internet, it sounds like you have a supportive family. Yeah. My family is the best. Okay. Daytona beach. Yep. Spring break. <laughs> yeah, you exactly. grew up around all that? Like, did you, I mean, Oh yeah. My whole life. What do you guys like? What do the locals feel? How do you feel? I mean, you must hate those people. Yeah. At first, I thought that, like, when I was little, I was just like, oh, these are, like, some crazy people. And my mom would be like, don't, like, there was, like, one 
there's always like one week where there's people like literally having sex on cars outside and like it's just like <laughs> disgusting and I'm just like this is right and I didn't know that that was like weird I was just like spring break yeah and then I learned that no Daytona is just where you go if you can't afford to go to Miami on spring break <laughs> or like somewhere better right so you just like they just come and the town is full of douchebags and it's gross and then I would hate it and then I started like realizing that it's really fun and it's just like cool because all these people come and have fun in my town and my town is just known for really trashy fun so (laughs) it doesn't really bother me anymore okay so yeah i mean because when you become a teenager it must have gotten more fun more interesting yeah because then you then you like go to the club and in florida you can go to the club when you're 18 you can't drink but you can go yeah and so yeah so like when once i like had an 18 year old's id that worked for me then like I thought it was fun. It was tight. Right. Yeah, I remember, I mean, I went to Florida in high school for spring break. It was like kind of a, like I grew up in Indiana. <laughs> what just flew off your... <laughs> My ponytail holder. Oh, okay. It broke. Whatever. Uh, I, I uh, grew up in the Midwest. Everyone would go to the same, we'd all go to Fort Myers Beach. <laughs> yeah. And I just, I look back on that and I'm thinking of like hotel rooms that smelled like bleach and mm-hmm. it's just gross. Yeah. There's, but there's fun. always like some, like a couple of like really obscenely crazy things that like make the news like every year but you know overall it's just a bunch of drunk kids okay and you were a nerd yeah kind of okay i mean kind of what like like how how nerdy were you ostracized at school did you have no friends no i didn't have no friends i was i was like secretly nerdy like i was i did really well in school and but like what does really well mean i well i was i skipped a grade and i was in the IB program, and then I quit the IB program to go to college when I was 16. Okay, what does IB mean? It's it's just like this really prestigious, like the highest level of... Like AP classes. Like, yeah, it's like a step above AP. Oh my God. Yeah. So you're so, smart. Yeah, I'm smart. All right. Mm-hmm. Would you, like, you get like a, I mean, are you like, uh, what am I, who am I trying to, like, uh, like Matt Damon and Goodwill Hunting? <laughs> not that smart. No, not that smart. <laughs> But smart enough to skip a grade. Smart enough, yeah. And you were kind of over high school. You're like, I want to get. Yeah, out of I was like, this is. This kind of seems like a waste of time because I, I had like the opportunity to just go to college, and I was like, why go to high school when I can just go to college and get it over with? Yeah. So that's what I did, and then I just like would take classes through summer to get it done. I was like, I just want to be done, and then live my life. And then I like finished way too early, and I was like, oh shit, now I'm 18 and I'm done with college. What the hell am I gonna do? You were done with college in two years. Yeah. Well, because I was taking like college courses like in high school so i was getting credit it was like a weird program i was in i was just doing everything i possibly could to get done with college when what were your parents thinking along the way because the thing too is like yeah you're skipping grades you're precocious and you're you know wise beyond your years or whatever but you skip a grade and you're you're physically uh different than the kids that you're surrounded with like was it did you feel the difference well the bigger difference was because i i started elementary school um when you were three (laughs) <laughs> yeah. Well, I just started, I started elementary school a year before everyone else. Right. So I, but I went to this like really, really tiny private Christian school. Okay. So nobody really t- treated me any different because it was like everyone just knew each other and was really close. And then when I went to middle school, my parents decided to take me out of private school and put me in a public school. And it was like the public school that was, that had a reputation for being in a very dangerous area. Like a danger, like a bad neighborhood. So it was just kind of like the kids from the bad neighborhood. And so it was just like a huge culture shock. And it was like, and that's kind of when, 
because I was 10 years old when I started middle school. And so it was just like really, really weird for me. And I kind of wasn't really, I don't know. That's the thing that was like weird was that I was always trying to act like as old as everyone else. Cause it's like a big difference when you're 12 and you go to high school, you know what I mean? Like yeah. then it's, it gets weird cause everyone else is so much older than you. And that seems like such a big difference that one year. So I would always, I'm, I kind of made a fool of myself. Like, when I was a kid, just trying to fit in, trying to fit in. Yeah. Like, they're like, you're 10. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like sometimes it would work. It wasn't, nobody really, people didn't make fun of me that much and I wasn't, but I would just always kind of had a reputation for just being like crazy, obnoxious, like really weird girl that was like, people liked me, but they just still thought I was obnoxious. But you weren't timid. <laughs> no, I've never once been like shy or. Okay. I was always really, I've always been exactly the same. And then your siblings, your little brother was playing music. You said you have, you have a little sister too? Yeah, I have, I have a, a stepsister and a stepbrother too. Oh, you do? Okay. Mm-hmm. So your parents split up when you were a kid? Yeah. Well, when I was 15. Okay. Yeah. So did you, did you uh, did, how did you handle that? Mm, I didn't really, I, I like saw, I didn't really care that much. I moved in with my dad because I thought that he would let me do more stuff. <laughs> which was true. But it, like, I mean, a lot of kids, especially like at adolescence, like that, fucks with them and they get like angry or they lash out like none of that um it was i had too much homework to me <laughs> you were like i'm too busy with i was way thing. too busy to be concerned with my parents divorce i was just like way too busy okay so uh like when it comes to the the rapping and the musical stuff like did that when did that start like when did you start keep like i'm assuming you were like journaling lyrics or anything like that like well like- i was really into poetry for some reason and i like I read a poem out loud once at school and I mean, in my, my high school was like mostly black kids and I was, there was a class where I was the only white girl. And so, um, and like, there was like kids in my class who were like always rap battle each other and stuff and just be freestyling class. And I was like, I was like, maybe I can do that. Cause like I write poems fast. Maybe I can rap too. Right. And so then I read a poem out loud one time and then like one of the guys was like, Oh, you could probably rap. Like you should try it. And he was like, you should go home and like make a YouTube video and show it to me. And I'll tell you if you can rap. And I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's what I did. And that was my first ever video. It's still on YouTube. What was it? And what's it called? Uh, Sick Fit, I think. It was from, it was like a Mad, a Mad Lib beat that I used or something. Okay. I don't know. That's interesting. I mean, and, uh, you know, we should talk, I guess, a little bit about gender, uh, skin color, the, the rap, the, you know, it's, it's not, it's not, uh, there's not a huge precedent for white girls rapping, right? Yeah. I mean, well, when I also, when I, when all this stuff happened was like before Iggy Azalea and stuff. So there wasn't like, like white girl rap would just be kind of like, especially white girls rapping about the kinds of things that you. Yeah. Nobody does. I don't feel like to this day, nobody really does that. See, I think that's great. And I think like people who would say otherwise, it's like, if you tried to rap about, a context that you're not familiar with or that you think, you know, would meet people's expectations. It's not going to resonate. Yeah. I think the reason the stuff that you do resonates is because it's authentic. Yeah. And it also, would... it also fills a void. Like no one else, you know, no one's talking about this. Clearly there are a lot of, um, people out there, especially young women who are like responding to it precisely because no one else is actually talking to them in a language that they understand. Yeah. I, I, I always, that's like another thing that I wanted to always keep, in mind when I make songs because like 
there's especially Iggy Azalea now, which who people compare me to sometimes, and that's kind of why I'm like getting away from because like white girl rap was not like white girls. It wasn't a thing, you yeah. know. People, like it was, it didn't really happen. And it there was Krayshawn, who's my friend, and she her song was it was like silly and like she talked about like hood stuff and whatever. And I was never like trying to be like her, but. Nobody like I always get compared to people that are doing that. So and I'm always like, this is this doesn't make sense. Like it's completely different. Right. But um, I mean, do it once, but it's not like you want to keep playing that same joke. Yeah, it's like it'll be like Krayshawn, Iggy Azalea, like Kitty, and I'm like, no, it's completely different. But um, so and so now you're trying to get into like like actually like uh, singing melodic, different. I mean, what kind of kind of music would you describe that you're trying to make now? I feel like I don't know. I just I got really bored of rap because my whole life was just after I made okay Cupid and just moved to New York and started working on it. My whole life was just rap all the time. And I was like, this is so old. And so I kind of stopped listening to rap altogether and was only listening to like music that I had liked when I was younger, which was like trance and like old, it's like only electronic music. Yeah. And then I started writing songs like that just because I guess, that's what I was listening to so much, and I just liked it so much more. And I think it's a lot more like challenging and interesting for me to do. And I actually like the results, as opposed to like I would make a rap song and I would just be like, "This is dumb!" Like, "Oh my god, this is dumb!" <laughs> like my whole like, even once I like finished my like album like Daisy Rage, yeah, uh, I listened to it after I was like, "That was tight," but like, this is so stupid. Like, <laughs> um, and now I like kind of take my songs more seriously even though nobody else does but what you got it when you're making them like i feel feel like that's the way it goes like when you're in the thing and you're making the thing it's very serious and then once the thing's done uh, like at least from my perspective like the relationship always changes to one of like ah that's sort of weird like i can't believe that came out of me like i don't know how how i feel about this (laughs) yeah i'm like what have i done yeah exactly this is so dumb yeah but i don't know so like dance music, like, like yeah, I basically I just make dance music. I like making dance music, but it's also really hard because there's like a kind of dance music that people are making a lot now. That's like like the kind on the radio, and I'm like, it's really hard to be like, no, that's not what I want. That's not what I want. That's not yeah. what I want. And then I don't know. It's it's been r- way harder to find people that'll make like producers that will make the songs that I like now. Because when I was making rap songs, I could literally just go with anybody and be like, oh, cool beat. Yep, tight. Let's do that. But now I'm just like really into like constructing entire songs and it's so much harder because nobody wants to do it. Why? Because it's more work or because it's not the same brand that they fell in love with where they're like, oh, yeah, Kitty, the white rapper girl. Well, it's the I think it's because hip hop producers did want they wanted to work with me a lot because like that's what I was doing. And they would like see it and they were like, "Okay, this is a good look for me. And like this. I like her. She's cool. And now, like, she's got the tumbler. She knows. The, she has a She knows what blog. the teens. Yeah, she yeah. knows what the teens want. Like that kind of stuff. And so, yeah. It was, so it was like easy to be like, even with big hip hop producers, and just be like, "Hey, I'm Kitty. Like, I'm cool online. Can we make a song?" And like that would work. But now, I'm, I'll hit up people to make. I'll be like, "You make really cool like, electronic music, and I want to make a song with you." And they'll be like, "Don't you like rap about boy?" Like they don't under. They don't know that i can make a song with them you got to keep pushing yeah i'm trying you know yeah i don't mean i think like uh if anything i mean here i am giving you career advice (laughs) no it's fine i need it i (laughs) said you needed a life coach yeah desperately (laughs) no but i mean i think that um you should trust your instincts i mean look how far they've gotten you do you know what i'm saying 
I guess. It's hard to convince somebody. I'm I'm not the type of person who's like good at telling people that I'm cool or good. I'm more like I have a lot more self-doubt. So it's really hard for me to just like convince people to work with me because I'll never be like, hey, I want to make, listen to my song. This is really good. Like, we want to, I want to make a song like this. Like, this is how good my music is. I'm just like, hey, like, do you maybe want to, like, <laughs> get together sometime? Well, this is the thing, though. I mean, this is the thing about the arts. And I guess it's maybe just life in general. It's like, not only do you have to be good at the art, but then you also have to be like a marketing genius and a salesperson. You have to sell yourself. Yeah. And it's like, you know, I, I look at some of these, especially in like rap and in music, like there can be a lot of bravado, whether it's false or not, but there could be like a lot of chest thumping and a lot of like soup, like uber confidence. I know. And I'm terrible at that. Well, but I mean, I think some of it's like showy, I think, but I think some of these people really believe it and I can find myself envying them. Like, yeah, like it's, it must it's be ob- so nice. It must be so nice. It's obnoxious, <laughs> but it must be so nice to be like, I'm the greatest of all time. And like, to yeah. Oh, that. They, uh, trust me. I've met a lot of these people and they all totally believe that. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's tell some stories from the road because you got to meet some <laughs> of your heroes. Uh, Danny Brown. Yeah. You went on tour with him. Yep. Okay. Uh, like someone blew him on stage on the tour. Oh yeah. And you wrote about this. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like explain this to me. Like he actually blew the guy on stage. Um, well he was on stage and just like this girl like pulled his pants down and like put his dick in her mouth and he kind of just, for how long? I mean, like, like I mean, he, it he happened ran away. and he got really weirded out and yeah. you could tell, I mean, his whole stage thing is just like, I'm Danny Brown. I fuck everybody. Like he's just yeah. like always talking about that. Well, so yeah. it's like kind of I I can understand why it would be like he doesn't want to be like no <laughs> get away from me because they'd be like on stage in front of these people and be like wow okay I guess you're not you're just talking a lot of talk yeah. but like he was like obviously like really waited out and just was like that's it that's a away. yeah and then like and you were where. On the side I stage? The st- I was on the stage, like, standing there, just, like, on the side of the stage. Like, te- I would just, like, stand there and text because I didn't want to, like, hang out by myself while he was playing because, like, I would... There wasn't very many people on tour. Yeah. It was just, like, six of us. Right. So we were just, like, I would just hang out on the stage and watch every night. And there's no security or anything? There was security, but it was... It happened very quickly, and it was just, like, a girl in the front of row of the show. Was she hammered? I'm sure. Must have been. Yeah, I don't yeah. know, but I'm. It seemed like it. Yeah. yeah. And you had like I thought like a very nuanced and interesting reaction to this. Like I mean, I, first of all, in the moment, I'm imagining you're just shocked. Yeah, I was just like everybody. What everybody like was just like what the yeah. hell? Yeah. And I was just like watching like why why why? Well, and the thing too is that a lot of times you know when this sort of stuff <laughs> happens, um, you know, and somebody uh, like an, an entertainer or or whoever it is gets objectified, it's usually a woman. Yeah, that's why, I mean, that's why it made me so mad, and that's why I wrote that thing, because we were on tour, so we were sitting in a van together for, like, 12 hours a day, like, sitting there, and we'd all just be reading Twitter, and, like, after that happened, people were tweeting about it and stuff, and then it just, like, escalated so quickly, and eventually it turned into, like, Danny Brown shoves his dick in a white girl's mouth on stage, and just, like, all this shit that wasn't true, and, like, like, all sorts of, like, feminist websites and stuff were, like, tearing him apart, and he was, like... I can't just, like, what am I supposed to do about this? And I was like, he was like, I can't say, you know, like, anything I say isn't going to matter to women, you know? And I was like, I can say something. I was there. I was the only one that was there. So, and so I did because I just thought it was really, I I mean, I had, um, once I was in Vancouver and I was on stage and these two guys came up to me and pulled my pants down and then pulled my shirt up and, like, like, while I was on stage in front of, like, 
a couple thousand people. Jesus. And so, and so that was like really traumatic for me. And I was like, I know how this feels. What did like, you say? Not- what, did, what do you say? Like you're on stage performing. Yeah, I was, I was on stage. I was like in the middle of a song and it happened and drunk guys. Yeah, it was, it was, but they were, they like, they were on a mission. I saw them like coming toward, they weren't in the front. They just were, they came up to me to just do this. Like they obviously were just like, oh, I, I feel like her shorts will come off right now. So like, were they pranking you or were they like, they were just being gross, like yeah. gross, pervy guys. And so I, I literally like turned around and told my DJ to stop the music. And I stopped the music in the middle of a song and was like, get these people out. These guys just pulled my clothes off. All of you people saw this. And I was like, I want these people out right now. And like, I waited for them to be escorted out of the building until, and I was like, okay, now we can t- continue the show. I've oh. done that a couple times. Like people like a lot of guys will like, I'll, I get on the stage. Like I like, will like crawl around and stuff. And like, if somebody like grabs my ass while I'm on stage, I'll be like, get out. Like I'm not continuing the show until you leave. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Good for you. But you know, it's interesting because when you take, uh, you build up an internet presence and you uh, present yourself, you know, online and, you know, it's not even that provocative, but you're, no, yeah, not but, at all. But, you know, you're, you're, you're putting yourself out there both artistically mm-hmm. and then your, your face is everywhere. Uh, and then you're out, uh, and, and the thing is going viral. And so, you know, you're winding up on thousands and thousands and thousands of computer screens. Uh, you must get a lot of creepy, yeah. emails and Twitter messages. Like how has the response been? Like how much of that do you get? How do you navigate it? It was, well, obviously it's been like a few years and I like look way different than I used to. But when I first started, I looked like I was like 14. And so everybody just thought I was way. And so there was a lot more like creepy old guys that like thought I was like a little kid. And we're just like, and now I don't like, I'm not really very famous anymore. Like nobody really pays that much attention anymore. So I don't get as much, but like, they're still like really creepy people. It's weird. You have like this like this internet rise, and everything gets really frenetic, and then it sort of <laughs> and then dissipates. it just goes back down, and it's like nah. But more people, it's there was a lot more creepy guys. Now it's like people who are mean. Like people are like, which always surprised me because it was like when I was really when everyone was talking about me, I was like, okay, I get why people are being mean because like they ha- are being forced. They don't like me, and they're being forced. To, but now it's like weird because I know that nobody is being like forced to pay attention like, to you're me. Like, like, I'm not on your Facebook. Yeah. Wall, I'm like not yeah. on your radar. So like, right. you don't really have to go out of your way to like be mean to me. So do you, I mean, what do you do? You just block people on Twitter and just- yeah, I block a lot of people on Twitter. I, I block people on Twitter who are like incessant about it. Yeah. Um, but a lot of times, like, I feel like I've gotten more of a, cause at first it would be like, why are people being so mean? And now I'm just like, yo, you're light. Like, what you took so much time out of like to do that. And sometimes I just like respond, like, like, what was the point of doing? Yeah. Like, think about this. Cause it's really, you're embarrassing yourself. Well, and, and then people are always like, damn, like you kind of right. <laughs> like, well, you know, an internet hate is a weird thing. It's a weird pathology, you know, and some people like they spend, uh, insane amounts of energy. Yeah. Like just venting at, people they don't know (laughs) yeah oh there's so much there's i'll i'll see like like somebody will say something like over the top like horrible to me which is like a favorite thing for people on twitter to do especially like 13 year olds yeah um and then i'll like look at their page because i always know like there's this is so weird like i'll like look at their page and it'll be like them tweeting it like every possible like ariana grande and like Beyonce, so just like horrible things. Like I hope your mother burns up in a car accident, like oh, weird stuff. And I'm like, why do you like? 
I, I guess it's just like a thing that like people get enjoyment out of, but I just don't really like understand that. It's like yeah, it's like it's like meth. It's just bad drugs. Yeah, it's so it's weird, and I think that it's like a lot of it is just like really really craving attention. Yeah, and I think a lot of the people come after me because they know that I'm not like big enough to just like not respond to anyone. Well, with the paparazzi are hovering oh, over yeah. us in a helicopter. <laughs> Seriously. What you doing? What's going on? Yeah, how you doing, Jasper? Good. You good? On my phone? Yeah. Um, so what about girls, though? Because, I mean, I mean, and I know girls probably are involved in some of the internet hate, but, like, you're speaking, um, you're speaking to everybody, but you have, like, a really rabid uh, fan base among girls, young girls, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that's got to feel good. You must get nice messages, too. Yeah, there's, there's like, a lot of, like, a lot of younger girls... Um, that have that just been like like really like there's been girls have been like I was like suicidal and like the night that I was going to commit suicide like I sent you a message on Tumblr about it and you answered me and like it changed my life like and just like people telling me stories of like how I've like helped them even though I didn't really know I was doing it it like makes me feel really good and that's like kind of the only reason that I still <laughs> do it because. Right. It, it makes me happy to know that, like, s- for some reason, which I don't really get because I don't think I'm, like, of myself that way. But, like, I people tell me stories about how I've inspired them. And that makes me feel like yeah. I want to keep doing that. It makes me feel really good. And well, so yeah. that's kind of I think sometimes best. people don't have a vocabulary for how they feel or they, ha- they don't have the ability or the wherewithal to express it. And when they can find it done in art, you know. It helps. I mean, I've definitely, like, felt the same way about people. Like, I can... Rappers, even. Danny, even. Which he was... I don't know. That just, like, really inspiring. So, I guess it makes sense. Because you don't think of your... You never think of yourself like, I'm helping people. (laughs) But, like, somehow you are. And then it's, like, really cool to hear about it. Yeah, that's the best. Yeah. Uh, So, you know, you here you are. You're in Los Angeles. uh, You're young. You've come a long way already. And you've done a lot already. Um, but you know, when you were 15 years old, 14 years old, did you expect this to happen? Was it no, something? not is this a, is this a big I surprise? still don't know. Like I still, it's still very weird to me because I, I like had like, even when it was happening, when I made okay, keep it, I was like, yo, like this is that, that's funny. Like it's funny that this is going on. Like I work at Claire's and I'm in college. What so. is Claire's? Claire's is a little girl accessory store that okay. your daughter would totally love. So you should take her there. Okay. It's in like every mall. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mid mall. What? Is it mid mall? <laughs> Probably. Okay, I don't know. We were were we talking about that earlier? No, like I don't know. The mid mall, middle of the mall. Oh, the middle of the mall. Yeah. The riffraff thing. Yeah. Yeah. That um. So, or, did we not talk? We about haven't that? talked about that yet, but I know exactly what you're talking about. Oh no, it's from something <laughs> I was watching of you. Yeah, on. like my favorite riffraff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um. So okay, so you're working at Claire's. Uh, didn't really expect to get into music. This thing goes viral and suddenly you're propelled into like an entire life. Mm-hmm. Um, how much longer, like, do you have a sense of like, if you're going to try this new music and you're going to try to kind of branch out and get away from being explicitly uh rapper, um, how much longer are you willing to go at it? Like, are you committed as, a, are you a lifer as a musician <laughs> or could you foresee a time down the road where you'd say, you know what, I'm going to try something else. Like how does, how do you, well, I, have already, I mean, like, I kind of reached that point last year when I was like, because I was always like, I'm gonna do this because, like, who, it's so rare to get the opportunity to just be a fucking rapper. So yeah. I was like, why would I not? And that's when my parents were all like, they they know that how, like, precocious I was when I was younger. And they're just like, 
you could go to grad school, but why not just do this? Yeah, and grad it's going to go wait. over. Yeah, it's, it's going to go. It's going to end eventually. So like, just take your time. Let's do your thing. Like, do what you're going to do. So, and I kind of always felt the same way. And like, once it doesn't work out anymore, I'm like, I'm okay. I'll like, I'm. It's not like this is the only thing that I know how to do. This is the thing that I know how to do the least, to be honest. What else would you do? Uh, well, since that was like kind of what I was saying is like since I when I moved to New York, like New York has lots of businesses, and I like ended up being able to use my degree to like do a lot of consulting jobs and like just cool shit for like MTV and stuff that I would never would have gotten if I hadn't like met the right people from doing music right and now i feel like i have so many more opportunities like in fields that i actually want to be like i got you know i got to work for vice and i get to write stuff all the time like for cool websites and stuff that i never would have expected and like never i I always thought like i always wanted to get like get into marketing like pr and stuff but i always wanted to do it for theme parks just because i lived in florida so it just like made sense (laughs) and i liked it right so like that's kind of was my old like my goal in college was like I want to like, I'm either going to do marketing and PR for a theme park or I'm going to be a rapper one yeah or the other. you know whatever <laughs> I, I just kind of go with the flow I don't really know how much like at this point I feel like it could go either way either I could just be totally fucking done right now I'm still going to keep making music because it's fun but you should you're good at it thank you yeah but if I'm not done then maybe I'll just get be I don't, my manager really wants me to be a pop star. He thinks I can totally do it. And I'm like, maybe we'll see how I it goes. Think you can. Maybe I can be a pop star. You just got to do it on your own terms. Yeah. You know, you got to So that's kind of what I'm doing right now, so, but I'm also doing other stuff too. So okay. It's fine. And so, okay. And then, uh, regarding like doing music independently, like when you're outside of the context of a, of a record label and cor- mm-hmm. corporate support or whatever, things like Bandcamp. like, I don't even know how musicians monetize these things, but if you have a track or YouTube videos, you sell advertising on those and you get like two cents. Yeah, you get no money for that. None. <laughs> but they get money. Yeah. Those motherfuckers. Bastards. Why aren't they paying you? I don't know. It like doesn't the, really... You know, I, I kind of got over that. I had to get... I had to stop getting mad about stuff like that. Yeah. I always wanted my music to be free. So it's always like when I put it out, it's always like pay what you want. Right. So if you don't want to pay anything, you don't have to. But people do pay for it. You they know? do. Yeah. People are like... People will be like... Even if they can't figure it out... Because right. I used to not put it on iTunes because I was like, I don't want it to be on iTunes. That's not what I'm about. But now I'm just like, people are like, How, can I just buy it on iTunes? And I'm like, okay, if you See, want yeah, to. Because people like get familiar with that platform. They, and yeah, people, people like don't know how to you know download it from somewhere else. Like, or they like don't, don't have, have to, PayPal. Or, yeah, you know? they'd like rather do that. And I'm just like, that's cool. And I mean, my, like, I make songs for commercials too. And I've made songs, like I've had songs like used in TV shows and stuff like that. And so like that's like, kind of how people at my level make money off music right and shows you make right. money playing shows well i think you should keep going thank you uh i think you have a good thing going and i just uh, i hope that you're able to find your way without uh too much of a headache from people who want to pull you in directions you don't want to go yeah me St- too. stick to your guns <laughs> it's hard i'm kind of there in my own way like so i'm, I'm kind of talking to myself as i'm talking to you it's like, <laughs> stick to your guns but listen to good advice. Does that mm-hmm. sound like a, a good Yeah, plan? that's a good that's a good way to do it. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's been such a pleasure meeting you. I'm, I appreciate you driving over here uh, and sitting in my weird garage. Jasper, I'm sorry <laughs> we didn't get a chance to talk. What, what's Jasper's story? What's he all about? Jasper is, he does the same thing as me, but he is a producer. Okay. So it's like kind of the same. Are you guys both from Florida? No, he's yeah, from here. Florida. You're from where? I'm from LA. Oh, you are? Yeah. How did you guys meet? Well, I came, I came here on my trip to... Uh, 
do sessions, and then I met him, and then I fell in love, and so I came here. Oh, okay. You're like, you're like he, he's a brony, and uh, we were Skyping. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I met him in real life, which so you is guys, rare Are you guys me. dating? Mm-hmm. Oh, you are? Okay. I didn't know what the deal was. <laughs> well, congratulations. Thank you. Thanks. Um, and so you're a producer? I am. You're producing her? We've, made, we've been doing a couple songs together, but we haven't really finished one yet. Okay. Like, All right. Well, uh, do you have anything else you want to say to uh, my listeners? Hi. Have we covered everything? Uh, yeah, Have we covered everything? Yeah, I think I think that's it. Okay, go check out Kitty's music. All right, everybody, check out Kitty's music. That's Kitty. Really fun talking to her. She's got a uh, she's got a Bandcamp situation. She's got a SoundCloud situation. Go to SoundCloud.com/slash/Kittavelli. K-I-T-T-A-V-E-L-I. Uh, her Bandcamp is Kitty.Bandcamp.com. She's on Twitter. Her handle is at Kittavelli, and she's on Facebook. She's probably elsewhere online, too. That'll get you started. Thanks to uh, tweakedaudio.com for sponsoring the show. Get some uh, earbuds, get some headphones, 33% off. Use that offer code, other people, O-T-H-E-R-P-P-L. Uh, I w- thanks to Kill Rockstars for the theme song. Check out killrockstars.com. The music you're listening to now and the music you listen to at the uh, opening uh, segue is uh, Kitty herself from her latest uh, EP, Frostbite. I feel like I'm on uh, NPR right now. <laughs> I'm Jason Bentley. I sound very uh, tired. Soothing. I'm Brad Listy for NPR. If you want to email me, the uh, address is letters at O-T-H-E-R-P-P-L dot com. Letters at other people dot com. I had fun talking to Kitty. I felt, I'll be honest, I felt like she was like, what the fuck am I doing here? There was a little bit of that. Or maybe I'm just insecure. I felt like she was like, because Jasper, her boyfriend, was sitting behind me. I felt like she was kind of looking over my shoulder at him, giving him the eye like like SOS. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> it's all right, though. I'm a 40-year-old dad. I can talk about the rap game. I don't give a fuck. Right? Alright, what else do I need to say? What else do I need to say? Let me figure this out. Hang on a second. Just hold up. I'm still here. Please remember that before writing Ben-Hur, Lew Wallace was a Union general during the Civil War, as was Abner Doubleday. Did you know that? And uh, also remember that uh, Borges died at 86. I don't know what the cause of death was. So, I'm running late. I'm always running late. Story of my fucking life. I gotta go. I actually gotta cut this off. I gotta turn this down. I'm gonna turn this down. Tur- kids, turn the music down. <laughs> Alright. Get off my lawn.